Love to pray. We're going to speak about faith this morning, but before we do, it would be good to pray. And uh, welcome to all the visitors. It is wonderful to have you. Just a personal welcome. It is great to see some new faces. So, what if we could pray together? You know, when we come to God's Word, it was said of Charles Wesley that he used to read the Word on his knees. Uh, it's not respect for a book. It's respect for the one who stands behind it, and it's honor of his Word. And his Word will never pass away. And so we're just going to do that this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you that it has all power and all authority and that it will never pass away. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to just jump right in this morning. I started to last week to simply touch on faith. This will be our third week on faith. Faith is, it's a message in a sense that God's put in my heart for many, many years. And I grew up in a household of faith, as I said last week. And uh, we'll do a little bit of recap. But friends, faith is normal. Please hear this. Faith is normal for believers. Hence the word believers. You're called believers for a reason. So faith is actually normal. And as I said, last week sometimes we've heard messages on faith that leave people more confused and more feeling like they don't qualify instead of feeling like they leave encouraged and that they can do it. So faith is actually normal. The Spirit of God... When you got saved, if you are saved, the Spirit of God took residence inside you. You know that that Spirit of God has complete confidence and trust in God. So when you learn and when we learn to live from our Spirit, when we learn to live from the Spirit man within us, from the Spirit of God within us, that part of us has complete trust, complete confidence in God. It does not waver. That's called faith. Amen? So, let's turn to Hebrews 11. We've been going through Hebrews 11. I'm just going to give you a quick little bit of what we did last week, but I can't take too long. Uh, and let me just say this. And I, it's something that I said last week. Who, who was here last week? I encourage you, this week builds on that last week, so please go listen to that if you were not here. But God is not moved by human need. God was moved by human need, so he sent Christ. He gave his only begotten son, of which there is no greater love. He gave Christ to restore humanity from what was lost in the garden. Yes? Okay. And I said this last week, but it's important to understand. But he's not moved by human need like you and I think. If God was moved by human need, then Sudan, Haiti, Mozambique, or any of the slums in India would suddenly become the most wealthy place because the need moved God. God is moved by faith. The Bible says that. He is moved by faith. He is perfectly merciful and compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and all power and all authority is able and willing. Many people come to God and they think, if I could just have enough faith, I could get what I want. Friends, that's such a, it's just not a good understanding of faith. The Bible says, do not fear, little children. It is in the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's not holding back. But faith is to see what we cannot see, and that becomes more real to us than what we can see. It's in the Father's good pleasure to give you everything that Jesus paid for. It's in his good pleasure to do that, John chapter 13. But if he was moved by human need like you and I are moved by human need, I would then position myself in a place of need to attract his attention and his affection. I already have his attention and his affection because God is love. But he's moved by faith. Very, very important. And because when we don't understand that, that all of, all of the gospel, uh, when the angels came, when Christ was born, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. In the highest being heaven. Glory to God there and on earth peace. There's an agreement and an alignment with the way heaven thinks 
with the way we think. We are called to think like that, to think in our minds, renewing of the minds. We're called to think like he thinks. When that alignment comes, there's, an, there's a commencing invasion from heaven to earth. The Bible says you are seated, and I'm throwing a lot at you. The Bible says you are seated in heavenly places. Yes, Ephesians 1. To think like a true believer with faith, to think like a believer to, is to think and view. Faith means it's a way of seeing. It's to view and see people, situations, circumstances, your own life, your feelings, your heart, is to see from heaven's perspective to earth. Not from earth trying to get from heaven. Who's experienced faith where we're just trying to get something? Does it work? No. <laughs> faith is to think like heaven and to see from that perspective because that's where you're seated. And when that alignment comes, when that alignment comes in the way you think, you have heaven's backing behind you and you understand, firstly, his good nature. You know, I'm going ahead of myself. So Hebrews 11, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. I'm just going to read this to you just to save time because I want to move on for today. Faith is substance. Faith is evidence. The word substance comes from the word hypostasis, which comes from the root word meaning to stand and meaning under. It doesn't mean understand. It means to stand under something. To stand under what? To stand under things that you hope for. Faith is the ability to stand under, in a sense, and remain standing for the things which we hope for. What is hope? The expectation of good. Where does hope come from? Hebrews 6 says, hope is the anchor of your soul. Your soul made up of your mind, your emotions, and your will, the way you think, the way you make decisions, the way you feel. Hope says, is the anchor of your soul. It actually says, behind the veil. Talking about the most holy place, the presence of God. Hope is birthed in a human heart through time with him. Because the veil has been opened, the way has been made open. Does that make sense? Hope comes from being with him. Faith begins to see the things that he has put in your heart and the things that he has put in his word as a greater reality than the contradicting circumstance that your life is right now. It takes that hope and makes it a reality. Faith is substance. It's to stand under something and trust that what God has put in your heart is more real. Because it's based on a, an invisible reality. Friends, this world will pass away. Denzel Washington gave a, gave a speech. It was a great speech. He said, you'll never see a, a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. You take nothing with you. He said, the, the world is going to pass away. It's going to go. But the reality of the invisible realm will remain. And to God's perspective, that realm is more real than what we see, taste, touch, hear, and feel. And he's saying faith is to live from that place. Faith is substance. It's to stand under with conviction and with confidence. Some of your translations will say confidence. Faith is also evidence. Evidence, elechos, means to bring something to light through proving. Faith is evidence. It's evidence. Faith is the process of a divine conviction that starts to bring to light the things that God has put in your heart from being with him that hope, those things that start to rise up from being with him. Faith is the conviction you become assured. Whose translation says assurance? Okay, some of you. It's the assurance, it's the conviction that those things are more real. And it starts in your heart. And then what happens? Then there's a fight. There's a fight of faith. 
There's a process of working through the fight of faith, fighting the fallen nature, fighting the, the, the fallen world, the, the culture that we're surrounded by, because you cannot see it. It's evidence, it says, of things not seen. You can say that with me. Evidence of things not seen. Makes no sense in the scientific world. Evidence. The police need evidence. How can you have evidence of things not seen? That's faith. It's evidence of things you cannot see in your heart. You become assured, you become convinced in your heart that nothing will deter it, nothing will change it. Once you become convinced, then there's a fight. And your spirit, man, starts to rule and starts to win. That's what it means walking by the spirit is to walk in a, in the, by faith. We walk by faith. We live by faith. And that moves God. Are you with me? Very, very important. This is why, and I'll say this in a nice way, the way many people have heard of or preached faith, even in even the word of faith movement, there, there is absolutely some truth to that movement because of their personal history with God. Faith, it cannot be a formula, friends. Please, cannot be. Because hope comes from being time with him. This isn't arrogant. This is just a confidence because I know, I know my God. I know my Father. I can walk and lay hands on this man. I know in my heart, and when I lay hands on him, the presence of God will touch his body. I know that. And through that, I can impart the result of my history with God to this man. And he will be blessed. But I cannot impart my history. That's for me. Faith comes from that history. People look for a result. Faith comes from the history. That's why when you formulize faith, it removes the history. It removes the relationship. And we treat God like a vending machine. Just say what you want and you get it. Friends, it doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. Let God put it in your heart from time with him on your knees. That's why faith, patriarchal faith, I call it patriarchal faith. Faith is a way of seeing Abraham says, Abraham saw my day. Faith is a way of seeing. When I look at a person, do I see what God sees? Do I see what I see? When I look at a circumstance that is contradictory to the hope and the anchor that God has put in my heart, do I see what God sees? Do I see what I see? Faith is a way of seeing. Abraham was so convinced of the supernatural that he didn't, the things of the world became, in a sense, useless to him. With Lot, his nephew, he said, you choose where to go, Lot. You go there, you go there, I'll just go the other way. Because he was seeing like God saw. He thought like God thought. That's why he was the father of faith. So we're going to have to move on. Faith is also active. At some point, friends, at some point, faith will cause you to make certain decisions in the here and the now based on something you cannot see. And activities start to play, take place. We did this last year as a corporate body. We made decisions in this place, for this place, with absolutely... No evidence in the natural, but evidence in our heart, substance in our heart, and it became a reality. It's faith. It's a walk of faith. But you cannot take a promise or something that God has spoken, to, unless it's from here, unless it's from here, obviously if it's from here, it's for you. But God speaks something to someone else. Someone says, oh, that sounds nice. I'm just, that's mine too. And I know I'm treading on some ground here. Friends, if it's not in here and if God hasn't put it on your heart, you can confess all you want. <laughs> it might come into your heart at that point, but I've seen so many people 
They say, oh, look what God's done with them. And they look and they want what they have. But the motive is not a relationship with their father. So because they want what they have, they think, okay, what can I do in order to get that? That's the second son in the prodigal story. Hello, everything, I've, I've served you, I've done this, why don't you give me? There was no relationship. What the father longs for is relationship. In relationship, he puts hope. Hope rises up and becomes evidence and assurance and substance and faith. And we begin to make practical decisions, practical ways of thinking. We become weird to the world sometimes because of faith. So I'm going to speak to you this morning, God willing, about different types of faith. Now, please hear my heart. Faith is faith is faith is faith. Faith is faith, okay? So it's like when you preach on gifts. I'm just, can I just be real with you this morning? You preach on gifts. There was this, the stuff that used to happen in the 80s and 90s. And they used to preach on the gifts so much, which is actually very good to do. And people thought, do I have four gifts or five gifts? Or am I special? Do I have all nine gifts? And it just became weird. John G. Lake in 1907 said, forget the gifts, get the giver. That's what's important. It's the same with faith. So I'm going to preach on different types of faith, and people are like, well, when I did this, was it this type or this type? Please don't think like that. It's just helpful for us to understand the word. But faith is faith. Amen? So we're going to talk about saving faith and overcoming faith, because they are different. Faith that saves and faith that overcomes. We seem to struggle more with the faith that overcomes the world. The Bible says this is how we have overcome the world, even by our faith. Overcome anything that is in the world that is not from heaven by faith, because God is moved by faith. It moves heaven to act on your, on your behalf. Okay, very, very important. Now, let's talk about saving faith. Go to Romans chapter 10, please. I, hope, I know there was a fast recap. If you couldn't follow along, please go and listen to last week, not because it was me that preached, just because it lays the foundation of where we want to go today. Saving faith. Firstly, the gospel is the power of God. Bible says that, Romans 1.16, to transform you, not just to save you, to transform you, to save you to the uttermost. The gospel will continue to save you. I hope you understand that. It will continue to save you. Justification is what happens as soon as you get saved, but the gospel will continue to transform you, continue to save you. That's why people say, preach the gospel to yourself every day. Now, the gospel, let me read you this, the gospel is the declaration, what is the gospel? The gospel is the declaration of victory from a battle that has been won. Please understand this, very, very important. In the Old Testament, the word evangelize, euaglion, comes from the Greek. It was the evangels, they were called evangels, that would run over the mountains declaring that there's been a battle and the whole kingdom would wait, you know, behind their walls. Who's going to win the battle? Are we going to become slaves or are we going to become free? kind of a big deal, right? So the watchmen would go to the walls and look and wait. And the evangels, the messenger, they used to call them evangels, they would run. We've won, we've won. And he would then say, we've won. And everyone would come out and celebrate and party and it's awesome. It was good news. It's good news. That's the word, the gospel. The gospel is a declaration of victory because there's been a battle. The gospel is not the declaration of morality for a religion. It is not. It is just not. Say it is not. Okay. Just wondered there for a moment. However, however, 
The battle that was waged was waged against what? Sin and death. <laughs> so when the battle is won, I wrote it like this. When the battle is won, we hear the good news. It goes into our hearts. We realize that we are no longer slaves by the last occupying master. We're no longer slaves to that. Who is the occupying master? Romans 6, sin. Talks about the master of sin. We realize, whoa, the battle's won. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. I am free to live for God. That breaks immorality. It breaks it. It breaks certain deceptions and immorality and perverseness, and it breaks the culture of that kingdom. But it's a process that works its way out into your heart by faith because you see it. Then you see it again. Then you see it again. And you see it again. And you see what is unseen. And it works its way into your heart by faith, friends. So when we preach the gospel as morality, what happens? We put people under law, and they become the very thing they hate. Who's witnessed that? Yeah, everyone's, yep. The gospel is the declaration of victory. There has been a battle. That battle has been won. Therefore, these things, but they are a personal journey. You cannot place it upon another because it has to come by faith. If, it has to, if you are saved by faith, how can I say to someone, I'm, I'm going to prophetically stand on people's toes. If you're saved by faith, then how can it just be while I prayed the prayer? If there's no faith in the heart, you ain't saved because you said a few words. It is by grace you have been saved, by faith. By faith. Let's go to Romans 10. Let's read the Bible. Let's see what the Bible says. Romans 10, let's go to verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful of the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. That's a reference to the evangels, the people running over. It says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. That's in reference to Israel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? That's Isaiah 53. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Friends, this is what I want to try to show you. If I had to say to people, how does faith come? In this room, it would echo, faith comes by? hearing. But by hearing what? Here we go. You guys ready? Faith comes by hearing. To be exegetically correct according to the scriptures, it's hearing the gospel. How will they hear unless they have a preacher? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The gospel. When you hear the word, which is the word of God, you're right. Don't worry. You all got it right. You all got an A. But when you hear the gospel, faith comes into your heart because the gospel is the power of God. It has inherent power. It's not a message. It has inherent power from a person. Faith comes into your heart and you confess and you, you, you do certain things and you become renewed in the spirit. You become saved. It's a phenomenal thing. But faith comes by hearing. Saving faith comes by hearing. Okay, we're going to get into this, I can see. Faith comes by hearing. We all know that. 
And hearing comes by the word of God. This faith, friends, is unto salvation. Yes? Is that what it's saying? Yes. This faith is unto salvation. However, let's go to Galatians 5. There is something that I call, it's also part of saving faith, if you want to have lists, faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. This is the ongoing truth of the gospel. As the gospel works its way into you and works its way into you and works its way into you. Galatians 5, let's go to verse 4. Now let's go to verse 3. Big deal, one verse. Galatians 5, 3, And I testify again to every man, he who becomes circumcised, that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. I don't have time to get into this, but there were infiltrators that were coming in and, and teaching them that they still have to be circumcised according to the Jewish law if they want to be saved. And Paul is basically saying, listen, circumcision or no circumcision, it's irrelevant in terms of being, being born again in the kingdom in the New Testament. Okay? He says, you have become estranged from Christ, verse 4. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Who's ever heard the thing of, oh, they've fallen from grace? In other words, they've sinned too much, so now they've fallen from grace. Who's ever heard that? Okay, what is the text saying? It's saying because you're going back to the law, you fall from the grace of the message of the new covenant. It's saying you're going from grace to law, from grace to law, so you've fallen from grace. Come back to grace. It's actually what it's saying. Come back to your new husband, Isaiah 54. Come back to life. Come back to Isaac, not Ishmael. Come back to Christ. It says, you're fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. This, for me, is faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. What is that talking about? It's saying, in the end, we believe we're righteous now. Yes, we believe, of course. But in the end, when I stand before God the Father, will Jesus be enough? That's what it's asking. That's what it's saying. I stand now in hope, hope from expectation of good, in hope of righteousness then one day. And I have it how? By faith. I have it by faith. So that when I stand, the righteousness that I've now been told that I have, the righteousness, the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that is imputed upon me because of what Jesus did for you, which is an amazing, that's why it's good news. But when I stand there, that battle, will it be enough? That battle that we go through, you only know that by faith. How does that faith come? It comes by hearing, yes, but it comes by truth. It comes through truth. When you hear the truth, when you see the truth, it comes through the word. It comes by truth. We hear it. We read it. Oh, my gosh, we even study it. Imagine. And what happens is it becomes the freshly spoken word in our heart. You know when the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word? Most of you know the logos, the written word, the rhema, is the freshly spoken word. That word there is rhema. Faith comes by the freshly spoken word of God in my heart. Can I step on some toes again? Friends, if, if faith just came by the word, if faith entered people's hearts because of just the word, not by hearing, but by the word, then I would just drive around and put the word on loudspeakers on my car and faith would go into all the people that heard it. Faith comes by hearing. In here, the freshly spoken word of God. 
And as I continue to hear it and continue to search it and continue to allow truth to pierce my heart, I continue to grow and grow and grow and become assured that even one day when I stand before God, I can have hope for righteousness. That's faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It becomes truth bombs, that's what I call it. Who's ever played that game where you have all those little, well, some of you actually didn't play the game you did in real life in the military, where you have the depth charges in the ocean where the submarines go and they go off. You've seen it in the movies. It's like truth bombs. Faith is stored in your heart and it shores you up with truth so that you can see lies. You can identify a lie versus truth like that. You can identify destiny versus distraction in a second. Because truth has come into your heart. And whenever those things, whenever distraction comes, you say, that's not destiny, that's distraction. Whenever lie comes, that's not lie, it's a truth. It's truth. That's why truth sets free. Because it sets you free from all that stuff and you have faith that builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. I hope that makes sense to you. Romans 5, go to Romans 5. I'll show it to you there as well. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore... Having been justified by faith. This is still saving faith, right? You're justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What's that talking about? One day. We rejoice now. Yay! In the hope, because we've been with him. In the glory of God that's coming, because I've been justified. How do I know this? By faith. Therefore, I have access. Therefore, I have access. Friends, if your access to God, now I'm going to bring this to some point of understanding. If your access to God is by faith, it means that your ability to approach God, that's what the Bible says, everyone who comes to God, Hebrews 6, comes by faith. Because your access to him, your prayer, if you haven't seen and understood by faith the work, the finished work of Christ, you won't know if God is a God who answers prayer. And your access to him is altered and shifted and changed. You won't know God if he's a good father or not. You won't know these things about God because your access to God comes by faith based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, that you're righteous, that you're whole, that you're justified, made just as if I've never sinned, that you've been made purified and perfect before the Father, that all these things, when that truth and truth and truth and truth and truth sets you free, sets you free from even your own feelings at times. I've said it before, I would never be friends with someone who betrayed me as much as my feelings do. Because so many people are saved on feelings. It's on truth and by faith. What is faith anchored to? It's anchored to the unseen realm. Why? Because God is spirit who is unseen. I'm not trying to speak philosophy. I'm trying to explain something very important. Because faith in the finished work, there's two ages in the Bible. The present evil age, which is what we all live in, and the age to come. The Bible says, very important, the present evil age requires us to understand and know that we have faith in Christ because of himself. We have faith here and now. Also, overcoming faith is to deal with circumstances, like what? Sickness, illness, which you're going to get into next week. The things that we don't understand, all those kind of things. We struggle more with that faith than we do in saving faith, which has to do 
with what's coming in one day. That's actually much harder to believe that one day I will stand before God righteous, justified, holy, sanctified, made perfect because of Jesus Christ. And we believe that so easily, yet we struggle with the faith to interact with contradicting circumstances, whether it be illness or whatever. Jesus made a much bigger deal of this. He made a much bigger deal of that you are saved, that you can have hope that you stand before God one day righteous. Friends, that faith puts in us a platform of which we stand and how we live life. Because my access to God is altered and shifted based on my understanding of that. Everything changes based on my understanding that I am saved by faith, that the justified by faith, that I have access by faith. Why? Because it's things that are not seen. Think about this. So when I get down on my knees and I pray, who's ever felt the battle? I don't know if I'm... Just let's be honest. Am I just saying words or is this... Right? Hello? Why? Because it's unseen. That has to do with your access to God. When you're reading the Word, God is this... I don't even... What's going on here? Because it's unseen. The stuff that is happening is unseen. So when you start to understand your access to God by faith, the access changes. And your relationship actually becomes real. God, I can hear you. God, I do understand. God, I do love you. God, I am beginning to think differently. My mind is beginning to be renewed. Oh, my goodness. When I look at this used to happen, I used to think about it this way. Well, now I see it different. Because you've had access to him by faith. And because you've had access to him and you spend time with him, hope comes in your heart. Hope from nowhere. Oh, I have hope. Where's that hope from? I have an expectation that things are actually going to go well. That's what hope means. Expectation of good. Because of faith. That Jesus Christ is enough. That he has settled the battle. He has won. The victory is over. So I have faith. I hope that makes sense to you. Let's go to Hebrews 11. We'll end with this. It actually is all here in Hebrews 11. Friends, does that that make some sense to you? I'm not trying to confuse, but there is such a difference between, I've learned this in my own life, between between having, everybody goes from, I'm saved, now I'm expected to do miracles. Okay? There's a process in between that of learning faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, which has to do with your relationship, which has to do with your position as a son, as a daughter, as your identity. There's a process, that platform that it builds inside of you by truth, by hearing, becomes the platform on which you can stand to attempt big things in God because you have a big God, not because you're good. But unless you build this platform, what happens is when you attempt big things in God and nothing happens, we get offended and we get hurt and faith becomes to us a bad word because there hasn't been a process of building a foundation of strength and of truth. Jesus was only amazed twice. Think about this. Jesus was amazed twice in the Bible by two things. Once by unbelief. It says he marveled at their unbelief. Mark chapter 6. It took him by surprise. He was like, whoa. The level of unbelief here. I'll get into that another time. The other time, he was amazed. It says he was amazed at the centurion who was a Gentile. It says he was amazed at his great faith. What positioned 
that centurion who came for his sick servant, what positioned him to have great faith? He understood authority. He says, I am a man under authority, and I have authority. I say, come, come, and they go, go. He said, so if you just say the word, you don't have to. You just say, why? He understood authority in the kingdom. Because he understood authority, it positioned him for great faith. We've said this before. You will only carry authority in your life to the degree that you submit to authority. And that can be abused. I understand that. However, you will also only have a release of the supernatural into your life. Faith, the supernatural, based on your understanding of kingdom authority. The centurion understood authority. You just have to say the word because I recognize who you are. Even though what I see before me is just a man, but I recognize in the spirit realm who I see like God sees. If you just say the word, it'll happen over there. You don't even have to go there. Jesus said, I've never seen such great faith in all Israel. Why? Because he understood authority. What was the other time he said, man, you have great faith. It was the woman, the Gentile woman. She came to him. She said, my daughter's sick. So he said, I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel. I'm not going to throw the bread to little dogs. Said that to her. Imagine saying that in today's America. Oh, my goodness. I'm offended. I... He said, I'm not going to throw the bread to little dogs. What did she say? But even the little dogs eat the crumbs from the table. And she got her miracle. The ability to push past a fence when she didn't understand. Friends, the path to faith, to great faith, the path to faith is paved with an understanding of authority in the kingdom, in the church, an understanding of authority, and the ability to remain unoffended when you don't understand. Very important. But you can only do that if you've got a platform, a structure, you are shored up in your heart because you actually understand the gospel, that you are righteous, that you have access, that you are free, that you are saved, that you are justified, that you live according to your new man, that your old man died with all the stuff about the gospel that I always preach, that your identity is secure by faith, because you understand by faith. Can we read this? Hebrews 11, then we'll be done. Let's go to verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he got called out to go to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. That sounds a lot like us last year. Lord, where are we going? I don't know. Let's go. Okay, Lord. Okay. Who's ever, dealt, who's ever done that? Where you feel like God's saying, go there. Why? I don't know. Just go. Okay. And it's faith. I, I'll tell you a story of incredible, don't do this unless God puts it in your heart. Again, don't make it a formula. I remember my dad once, you remember this, he went to the airport. God said to him, I want you to travel to this nation and preach and whatever. You know, my dad doing his thing. He had no money. We had no money. We were really poor, African poor. No money. So he, on, off he goes. We said, where are you going? He said, I'm going. You don't have a ticket. Yeah, but I'm not there yet. God put it in someone's heart to meet him at the airport, paid for his ticket. He went out not knowing where he was going. Now, I know that's extreme, but that didn't come because he got saved the day before. There was a process of understanding the nature and the goodness and the character and the love of his father. And the trust developed in his heart over years. If God says it, I'll do it. Abraham left, didn't know where he was going, but he trusted God. 
By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, verse 9, as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of, with him of the same promise. He waited for the city whose foundations, very important, whose foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah also received strength to conceive seed and bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Why? Because of her understanding of the character of God, not because of her ability to confess or do this. Or her understanding of who the Father is. That's what did it. She judged him faithful. Therefore, from one man and, as good, and him as good as dead, in other words, really old. Really, really old. I asked my son, Michael, how old my dad was the other day, and he said, ancient. I, I loved that. It was wonderful. We're, we're born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand, by the sand uh, by, which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not receiving the promises. Pause. I have to zoom in here. Why? Because we read that with not understanding, we think, okay, so it's biblical to trust God for what he has said that will come to pass, or to trust God for what his word reveals, and it's never going to come to pass. That is not what it says. It says, these, who are these? It's everyone that's mentioned so far in Hebrews 11. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Sarah, Abel, Enoch, and Noah. Everyone mentioned before, up to that point. It says, these died in faith. What kind of faith? Not having received the promises, yet Abraham did have a son. Sarah did conceive. Noah was declared righteous. Abraham received a part of the land, but not all of the land. Enoch what, didn't even die. Imagine that. It says it was found that he pleased God, how? By faith. And so he was no more. He never died. He just left. Imagine that. It's going to happen to a few people one day. So they actually inherited many of the natural promises. They didn't see the fulfillment. The fulfillment of, in a sense, Abraham's pro promise was obviously in Christ. But of the land wasn't David's day. But there was the initial fulfillment of everything that God had actually said he would do. Hello? So it says here, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but they died in faith. What faith? Very interesting. Having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that there were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. He was saying they died in faith for what was to come. They died believing in faith that God is who he said he is for what was to come, so that they would be okay in the next life. It says here just before, he was looking forward for the city which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. He was talking about heaven. They died in faith. Very, very important. And then we get given some amazing keys here, which I'll just read it to you quickly. Having seen them afar off, we're assured of them. You know what that word assured means? Tranquilize. People are like, what? One of the meanings of that word assured is tranquilize. It means in the fight of faith. The fighting of the fallen nature, the fighting of a fallen culture, that part of him became so tranquilized that his whole gaze was fixed on heaven because he was looking forward towards the, to the city whose foundations and maker and builder is God. That whole part of him just became silent because he was so fixed on Jesus. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day. Then it says what? He became assured. He embraced him. That's the battle. That's the fight of faith. 
He drew those things near to himself, even though he didn't fully understand. And he confessed. Now let me touch again on this confession thing. What did he confess? He confessed that there were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Why is this so important for you and me? Oh, Lord, help me. He didn't confess what he wanted. <laughs> he didn't confess even what the promises were. There's nothing wrong with that. Please hear my heart. There's nothing wrong with that. He didn't even confess what he saw. But because of what he saw, because of the way you see, because of the way you see God, because of the way you see what he's going to do, he didn't say, well, I've got to confess it, confess it, confess it, confess it, confess it. Kind of like a mantra to convince myself. He confessed what? The shift and the change in his own identity. Because of what he saw. Because I see that. Because I see like God says, oh my goodness. I'm just an alien and a stranger here. I'm not even from here. I don't belong here. This is not my heavenly home. This is not my country. I'm not even going to call to mind it. I'm not even going to call to mind the country that I come from. I don't even long for that anymore. I'm longing for that because I'm an alien and a stranger. It colored everything about him. Saving faith. Everything about him shifted. What did he confess? What he wanted? No. He confessed the shift in his identity because of what God had shown him. It's a big key to actually walking by faith. So when the enemy comes and we have a contradictory circumstance, what do the hyperfaith people do? Don't acknowledge it. It's like I'm cut my arm and I'm bleeding on the carpet. And they're like, I'm not bleeding. Yes, you are, and you're bleeding all over my carpet. Go outside. By faith, I'm not bleeding. No, you are bleeding. But you know what? God, I am still this, 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 this. And you are still this, 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 this. And I am still this. That's the confession of the faith of the patriarchs, of who they were because of what he is going to do and now what he has done. Is that a little different? Hello? That sets me free, friends. It sets me free. But we'll end there. They lived with a conviction of what he could not see. I wonder if we could stand. I trust today was helpful for you. I say this, why? Because I grew up in church. For all those who grew up in church, you probably have already or still need a rediscovery of what the gospel really is and how to walk by faith, how to live by faith without being weird. You know, the Bible says that they confessed, they confessed the change in here. But you know, they didn't confess that with the church culture. Please understand this. They didn't confess that with the church culture. You know, when you hear someone confess something by faith, by faith God's going to do this. We understand. We're like, they're trying to live by faith. We get it. No problem. We, there's an understanding in the room. Oh, that's a confession of faith. Love it. Celebrate it. Go for it. Trust God. Big God. Yay, God. Go for it. Not a Noah's day. I'm going to build an ark. What's that? I don't know. I'm going to do this. Why? I don't know. Where are you leaving? Where are you going, Abraham? I don't know but I'm an alien and a stranger and a foreign here. Their confession of faith was so otherworldly and affected everything that they did. It's not like we understand confession of faith. Does that make sense? And I just want to trust God for that. Can we pray? Father, I thank you that you have made us righteous, that you have made us holy. I thank you that you have sanctified us, justified us. 
Lord, I thank you that we will stand one day in the hope of the righteousness. We will stand before you by faith and thank you for your son and for the payment that was sufficient that was made. Holy Spirit, I pray now that faith would begin to rise in people's hearts, that hope would begin to rise in people's hearts because we are with you. I thank you that we can trust you. I thank you that we can trust you because you are good. In Jesus' name, amen.